Welcome again. Thanks for being with us this morning. My name is Joe Hess. I'm the Care and Connections Pastor here at South Suburban. Thanks for letting me share the message with you this morning. One of my favorite uh, writers and teachers and speakers is a woman named Brene Brown, and she talks about her first draft of anything, a manuscript or a book. It's her SRD, her shoddy rough draft, loosely translated shoddy rough draft, her SRD. And if you guys ever got to see my SRD of one of these messages, you would look at me and say, really? And if you, were, you had some folks there with you, you would say, something's not right with him. He, he's, he ain't right. Um, luckily, luckily, blessedly, I don't share my SRD with you. And uh, that's, that's for your sake and for my sake. And even um, as, as rough as some of my messages may be, as rough as they may appear at times, they've come a long way from my SRD, my shoddy rough draft status. So just know that. Let me pray us in this morning to our, to our worship service, to, to this part of the worship service. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I just pray uh, for you to be with us, Lord. You, you model in, in your word what it means to be courageous and to be compassionate. But Lord, you also connect with us. You go way beyond to connect with us. And Lord, I pray in some real way that we will be courageous this morning, that we'll be compassionate, and that we will connect with you this morning through your word and through your message and through communion. Pray these things in your son Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I started working on this message on Friday, September 11th, a week ago Friday, on 9-11. I called my dad that morning early. He answered the phone, and he was all choked up with tears. He couldn't speak. He was that emotional. And in the background, I could hear them on the TV reading off the names of those that were killed that day, 19 years ago. He was watching one of those 9-11 tribute programs. My dad is a mushhead just like me. If you guys remember, the rallying cry of that day um, was, we will never forget. It was a rallying cry for courage. We're going to get those bad guys, whatever it takes. We're going to never forget what they did to us. They're going to pay. We will never forget. And really what we were saying, we will never forgive. I've shared with some of you, one of my spiritual gifts is holding a grudge. 19 years ago, 9-11 happened. It was a Tuesday morning. I still remember like it was yesterday. We were not going to forget and we were not going to forgive. We were going to beat evil with power and might and military action. Lest we forget the folks in Jesus' day, the people of Israel, they thought the Messiah was coming to beat evil with power and might and military muscle. Instead, God sent Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God sent his son to be a shepherd. The Messiah they were waiting for, they wanted a military guy, a guy like George Patton to come in and whip the Romans. And God sends his son, Jesus, a shepherd, son of a biscuit. How the heck are we going to beat anybody with a shepherd, especially a reckless shepherd? The rallying cry that came out of 9-11, we will never forget. That was based on anger and fear and revenge. The rallying cry from Jesus, don't ever forget how much I love you guys. Do this in remembrance of me. It's written across our communion table here at church. And in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup, we remember Jesus going to the cross for us, conquering evil, not with power and might, but with love. And the song we're going to look at this morning, the song we'll listen to this morning, it's called Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. The echo of the words, the prayer of the song is the same. We will never forget. We will never forget. It's not about the hurts or the pain or the regret but it's about God's heart. It's a song about the heart of God. And the song comes from this story, this parable from Jesus. 
If you've got your Bibles nearby, it's from Luke chapter 15, starting with the first verse. Luke chapter 15. It's called the parable of the lost sheep. Let me read it to you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus was gathered, the tax collectors and sinners, people like you and me, but the religious people, they were like spitting words out. This man, look at this guy. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Not back to the flock, but goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this story, we don't know why the sheep wandered off from the flock. The storyteller, Jesus, allows us to fill in that blank. All we know is the shepherd, some would say the reckless shepherd, leaves the 99 in open country and goes after and finds the lost one. And then when he finds the sheep, he doesn't get in the sheep's face like I would to tell him bad sheep or maybe you would as well. That's what we would do. No, the reckless shepherd gets down on his knees, looks in the sheep's eyes and says, you ready to go home? Me too. Then the reckless shepherd puts, picks up the sheep and puts it on his shoulders and takes it home, not back to the flock, takes the sheep home. And then the reckless shepherd then throws a party, a welcome home party. God's goal, his redemptive goal is to bring us all home. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in, in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. God through Jesus, his mission, Jesus' life work, really his death's work, his death on the cross to bring us all home. The whole cross thing, the whole old rugged cross that we looked at last week that Pastor Ike shared with us, the foolishness of the cross points to God's mission to bring us home, to love us home. Before we listen to the song Reckless Love, I wanna, I wanna share some stories with you guys. These are all God's stories. I believe they're God's stories. God's story is a love story, a reckless, crazy love story for his people. And these stories are all about courage and compassion and how we're hardwired to connect with each other and with God. Todd Beamer, I don't know if you guys remember this story. I heard his father retell it this past 9-11. This is a story of reckless love, about the cost of reckless love. Todd Beamer was on the flight that went down in that field in Pennsylvania, Flight 93. When the hijackers took control of the plane, he tried to make a call to his wife on one of those phones that used to be in the back of the seat backs in front of you. The phone call didn't go through. He was routed to a GTE supervisor, Lisa Jefferson. The FBI was listening in. By this time, some of the passengers had made cell phone calls home and they, they heard that the, the, the planes had crashed into the Twin Towers already and the Pentagon, a plane had crashed into the Pentagon. People suspected this plane was headed for the Capitol or the White House. Todd Beamer and others were forced into the back of the plane. And there Todd and others huddled together and fostered a plan to try and take back control of the plane or die trying. 
with the GTE supervisor, Lisa, listening in on the line, Todd recited the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23. Others joined in. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Todd told Lisa, the GTE supervisor, if he doesn't make it, please call his family to tell his family how much he loves them. And the last words Lisa heard from Todd, are you guys, are you guys ready? Okay, let's roll. And some would say, that's reckless love. That's the kind of love Jesus has for us. That's good shepherd kind of love. Our neighbor for the last 17 years, Jerry, he moved away this past Sunday. He moved up north to Thornton to be near his daughter. We had gotten close over these years, over these 17 years. We were there with him when the ambulance took his wife, Karen, to the hospital. She struggled with MS. She never came back home from the hospital. Our kids and all of our kids' friends um, loved to go to Jerry's house at Halloween because he gave out full-size candy bars. A few years back, I married Jerry's daughter, and my wife reminds me I didn't marry her, but I officiated at, at her wedding. We've shared tools and tears and cheesecake and cards, and Jerry not only loves us, Cindy and myself and my kids, Jerry loves my dog, Sammy. Anybody that loves my dog is family. This past Sunday afternoon, I, I helped Jerry finish up some things before he left, left one last time. And as I was saying goodbye, I told him he was the best neighbor ever. And he jokingly said, wait till you meet the new neighbors. And I said, you're probably right, as guys would joke. And then I gave him a bear hug and I told him I loved him. And he said, I love you too. Both of us got choked up. I'm learning to say the words, I love you, more often and regularly. I believe that's the only reason the shepherd leaves the 99. He loves all the sheep, especially the lost ones. I try to remind my family, my friends, and, and you guys as often as I can, and I apologize if that makes you feel comfortable. I just ask you to deal with it. If you've ever lost someone too soon and maybe didn't get a chance to say goodbye, remind them that you love them one last time, you know what I'm talking about. I got a letter just yesterday from a dad who didn't get a chance to say goodbye to his son. Just to, to set up this letter a little bit, I've been playing, um, my sister teaches back in Marietta, Georgia uh, at Pope High School. She's a special ed teacher there. And this letter comes from Randy Williams, one of, um, one of my sister's assistant teachers in the class. And um, I've been playing guitar regularly there. Once a week, I, I kind of pop into their Zoom class and play guitar, some, some kind of crazy song. And uh, Randy Williams, this assistant teacher, wrote this letter to me. It says, Brother Joe, I am Randy Williams. This is my second year working with your sister Mary in the SID PID unit at Pope High School. She asked me to share with you the $2 bills we give in memory of our son, Tyler. I've enclosed the story as I've recorded it. Um, Randy's son, Tyler, took his life when he was 25 years old, just a couple years ago. 
She asked that I send you a Tyler $2 bill as well. I've enclosed a $2 bill for you and five to give as you see fit. There are only two rules in the giving of them. First, the giver cannot benefit in any way. And second, how the receiver uses it is entirely between them and God. I thought you may enjoy giving some. It gives me great joy knowing that this giving of them keeps our son alive. And lastly, I included some guitar picks that some paid to have made to help us in our mission to raise suicide awareness. One side bears his signature, Tyler, and the other is my semicolon tattoo. Semicolon is significant to me in that a period ends a sentence, whereas the semicolon continues on. So as long as there is breath in my body, I will keep his story going. While his $2 bills have certainly crossed the expanse of the United States from coast to coast, to my knowledge, they have not been in Colorado till now. I hope that you enjoy giving them as much as our family does. Use them as you see fit. Five people each get one or all on one person. They are yours now. God will send you the person or people. He always does me. Signed, Randy Williams. And I just want to share just uh, this card that he gave with me. It says, Tyler Clark Williams, 1992 to 2017. And on the back it says, Randy... and." And, and Amy Williams, parents of child loss, suicide awareness, sharing our son with the world one $2 bill at a time. I've got this pic that's got Tyler's signature and the semicolon on it. Above all else, St. Peter said, above all else, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love helps us deal with the pain of saying goodbye. Love helps us keep the memories alive. Love is what the reckless Shepler did when he left the 99 in the open country. He goes after the lost sheep. He goes after us when we wander away from the fold, from him, because he loves us so. And in the good shepherd, shepherd's absence, he asks us to do the same. The lost sheep sees the shepherd coming. He or she is right on the edge, on the cliff. The sheep has a choice. Do I listen to the shepherd's voice? his calming voice, his assuring voice, the one saying, I love you, I'm crazy about you, don't move, I've got you. Or do we keep pulling away, take another step towards the ledge? Near the end of Jesus' life, the night of the Last Supper, Jesus is telling his disciples how this is gonna play out. He's gonna leave them, and where he's going, they can't come, at least not now. And they begin to all freak out. And if you remember Peter, and I love Peter, he says, Lord, the, the others may leave you, but I never will. And then Jesus tells Peter, before the rooster crows, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And those words hang in the room. And then Jesus looks into Peter's eyes. And I believe Jesus looks into our eyes too. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. No matter what, don't lose heart. I know you're gonna mess up. I know you're gonna wander away. I know you're gonna get lost. It's part of being human. I still love you. Believe in God the Father. Believe in, also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I would tell you, but I'm going there to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back for you. You know the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Belief in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. 
Since April or so, we've been working with Love, Inc. Not Love Incorporated, but Love in the name of Jesus, Love, Inc. Their office is just down the road. It's behind the King Supers on, on Broadway and Littleton Boulevard. Their mission is to be an extension of, of, of our churches, of our area churches. Their, it, their mission is to help all of us be better at being the hands and feet of Jesus, especially when it comes to the homeless. And what Love, Inc. has been teaching us lately, teaching me lately, is the difference between charity compassion and redemptive compassion. Charity compassion is someone's hungry, we feed them a hamburger or give them a meal voucher. But redemptive compassion is the same thing. We, we feed them, we give them a hamburger, but then we say we're going to walk with you. We challenge them to put some skin in the game. You come back, we'll feed you again, but you need to take one of our classes. You need to, to work on who you are to be a better person. We need both redemptive compassion and charity compassion, but it's way harder to, to it's way harder to, to do the redemptive compassion. What Love Inc. has been teaching me, teaching us, most of these down and out folks, they find themselves in poverty, financial poverty, but also radical relational poverty. Many of them, they've burned every bridge with every family member and friend, and now they are desperate. Redemptive compassion begins to help them rebuild those relationships. If possible, it helps them work on healthy relationships. And I'm thinking it's not just the poor who struggle with relational poverty. It's us too. Me too. And as we silo up, as we've learned to shelter in place, as we've adopted the attitude, I got it, I don't need help, it's easy for us to push folks away, to lose connections. And as I said goodbye to my friend, my ex-neighbor Jerry, who moved 30 miles north, it would be really easy for that relationship to go away. Stole this from somebody else, but isolation, I believe, leads to devastation. When the wolf goes after the herd, he doesn't go after the, the whole herd. He picks off the one that's off to the side by itself, the one that's lost, the one that's sick or tired or lonely. Satan does the same thing. The good shepherd models for us how to walk with folks. Again, he leaves the 99 in the open country and pursues the lost sheep. We don't know why the sheep wandered off. Who knows why we wander off or, or go away or get stuck. I'm convinced at some level we leave the flock be behind because we're tired or afraid or confused or overwhelmed. And I'm just describing what, how I feel this morning. But oftentimes we feel like we're the only ones struggling. And Jesus tells this story to remind us that we're not, we all get lost. And then he reminds us of the crazy, stupid, reckless love of the good shepherd. We talk this day during COVID, during fires, during the civil unrest, we talk about taking calculated risks. To love is a calculated risk. To love Jesus is a calculated risk. He told us, he warned us, you wanna follow me? You gotta pick up your cross. As I quote someone who shared this with me a couple weeks back, this is not a time for the church to be wimpy. Easy sometimes it is to forget that God's in the midst with us. We need each other to remind each other when we forget God is still here. And not only here, but God pursues us. God is crazy about us. Every one of us, bumps, warts, and all. And the good shepherd, in his absence, asks us to be good shepherd-like, to leave the 99 and go after the one, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The good shepherd works in and through us. I heard this story the other morning on the radio about Jesus being in the midst of the battles. 
It's about Drew Cunningham. He's the lead pastor of Santa Cruz Baptist Church. He's got this being the shepherd down. The first call came to, into his church at 1.30 in the morning. A family of eight had lost everything in the fires. And could the church help? The pastor said, okay, here we go. And ever since 24-7, their church has been taking care of the folks who were displaced by the fires. Some had nothing on their backs when they came to the church. The pastors have been sleeping in their offices. They take turns, the associate pastor and Pastor Drew, making sure everyone is fed, making sure everyone has a place to sleep, making sure the kids are entertained. The radio interview viewer asked Pastor Drew if there were any images that stood out for him in the wake of what he was doing, and he shared this. One night he was getting ready for sleep in his office, and he hears through the walls a father singing. A father singing to his kids. They're also playing battleship, something normal in the midst of the crazy. Maybe we're going to be okay, the pastor's saying. Maybe together we will make it through this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Corey Ashbery's story, the one who writes this song this morning that we're going to look at and we're going to listen to. Corey shares this about the song, Reckless Love, and why he wrote the song. It's part of his story, the story behind the song. And these are Corey's words. God is not reckless. He's not crazy. But the way he loves us is quite so. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love is not crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. And might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you and for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He puts himself out there at the off chance that we may look back at him and give him that love in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. To many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. Leaving the 99 and finding the one is and always will be supremely important to the shepherd, to Jesus. Make no mistake, our sin's pain is hard every time. But God says to us through Jesus, I'll lay my life down on the line every time. Seventy times, seven times, as long as I get their hearts. I'll lay my life down on the line every time, as long as I get their hearts. Thank you, Corey. God's relentless love of us, his pursuit of us, whatever it takes. A father checking the horizon for the wayward son, for the prodigal son. We've all gone prodigal at some time, haven't we? Whatever it costs, Jesus says. Yet while we were sinners, he went to the cross for us. Once again, God tells us that loving him, following Jesus, is not risk-free. You want to follow me? You need to take up your cross. Love is not risk-free. Following Jesus is not risk-free, but God's word reminds us that he goes with us and after us every time. From Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. From 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, 
but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Last thought about this reckless love before we hear the song, about God's amazing, over-the-top, no-strings-attached, unconditional, crazy, radical, redemptive, reckless love. Again, I believe God's redemptive goal for us, why he goes after us so, why he leaves the 99 to come after the one, his redemptive goal is to bring us all home. His life work, the work that was completed on the cross, the wooden cross, the old wooden cross, it was done to bring us all home. We have been forgiven. Not that we earned it or that we deserve it. It's because the Father loves us so unconditionally, recklessly so. Sometimes we think we have messed up so badly. We are truly a lost cause, a lost sheep. There's no way God's coming after me. There's no way God's going to forgive me. St. Paul, he knew a little bit about sin getting wrapped around the axle. If you remember before his conversion, before his turning towards Jesus, he persecuted those who followed Jesus. He was there at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. But he would later write in Philippians 3, But one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God's saying that to you and me. You want to be with me forever? Here's a simple way to start. Just say you trust me, that you believe in me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, and I put my trust and faith in him as my Lord and Savior. All your stuff, Jesus says, all your stuff, your knuckleheadedness, I don't see it washed clean with my blood. Remember, I'm crazy about you. Just going back to SRDs, shoddy, rough drafts. Um, this past Tuesday night, I, I helped lead a pastoral care class, and I was leading it with one of, just a good friend of mine, a care pastor, um, Mary Ellen Blatchford, and, I, and it was such a beautiful night last, last Tuesday night. I, I set up my computer outside. I was ready to go. I practiced it, and then as, as soon as the class started, everything crashed and burned. My, my computer, it, went, it freaked out. I couldn't see the cursor anymore, and then my phone goes off. I never have my phone uh, off silent, but it goes off, and it's my daughter, and then my dog starts barking, and then the neighbor starts cutting the lawn, and I'm trying to look cool and collected like I got pastoral care down. All my SRD-ness, my shoddy rough draftness was showing. I'm reminded again and again, I am an SRD. And maybe an SSRD, a sinful, shoddy, rough draft. And maybe at some level, we're all shoddy, rough drafts. And the gift is that Jesus loves us anyway. Reckless love.